Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. All right, for just a moment, I need you to use that mind's eye of yours for just a moment, okay? Um, Actually, this isn't that difficult. This was only like three weeks ago, right? When it was like 101 degrees outside, 102 degrees, and the heat index was like 175. Okay, you remember remember that? Um, That's an average day of the summer in Kansas. Okay, so just a moment, just imagine that. And then I want you to think about standing in front of one of those machines. Sometimes it's plastic and metal. Sometimes it's just glass between you, between you and that can or that bottle of ice cold Dr. Pepper. Okay, it's just sitting there staring at you saying, it's, it's time. It's time for you to, to you to take part. It is. So you're standing there, and as I said, a heat index of 215, okay? So you reach into your pocket, and you bring out these dollar bills when it's 215 heat index outside, and they're, they're kind of damp. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you go, it's like when you go to, to Casey's, you know, and you bring out money out of your pocket and hand it to the cashier, and they, like, wrinkle their nose at you. And you're like, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. Just take it, please. All right? And, and so you're there. You look at this. You look at the machine, and, and you're like, this is not going to work. And you're just like, if I could just have somebody here. I mean, I mean of course, it used to take two quarters, you know, to get a can of pop. Now it takes, like, 25 quarters to get a can of pop. But still, still it's just like I would give a $50 bill for just my quarters. I would, but they don't show up, all right? It's interesting. The word of choice today that we are going to spend some time on has a lot to do, has some, I shouldn't say a lot, has some to do with money. We're not going to focus too much on that part of it, but it also has a little something to do with exchanging, exchanging something. Um, we'll, come, we'll come back to that before we're done. As I said, this is what we've looked at for the past few weeks now is the introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. All right, we call the introduction the Beatitudes. That's what we call them. This, as we've already said, this is not a list to pick and choose from. In other words, there's eight qualities here. I can pick the ones I want to do, but the rest of them I can just leave them alone. That's not the way the Beatitudes work. They're not a list to choose from. They are a description of the follower of Jesus Christ. And this is what we have looked at up to this point in time. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those, as we looked at, that are pure in heart. And finally, as we get to today, Matthew 5, 9, and this is what it says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemaker, quite the rare word in the Greek language, quite Quite the rare word in the New Testament. Matter of fact, only, time, only place in the entire New Testament you will find this word peacemaker. Now, the word peace, the first part of it, is not that, not that rare. You do see it in the New Testament. At the root of this means to join, to join, or a peacemaker, one who joins. As I said, peace is not a rare word in our New Testament. So let's look at one place where we find this. We will bounce around a little bit today, but we'll always come back to Matthew. First of all, let's turn to 2 Corinthians. I take that back, take that back. Let's turn to, let's turn to Ephesians 2. Save 2 Corinthians. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. I've got it marked in my Bible to save a little bit of time, so I apologize. Um, Ephesians 2, verses 13, and just the first part of verse 14. 
This is what it says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Ephesians 2 is, and actually Ephesians 3, is all about the peace of Christ and what the peace of Christ does. But before we get to that, I want you to understand something. Look at what that, what that verse 13 says. What Jesus did by his blood is take something, us, who was far off and brought us to God. That's what Jesus did. To join. As I told you, that is the whole point. Now, Second, or second Corinthians, uh, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3 is all about the peace that comes through Christ. Peace between Jews and Gentiles. You know, after the first service today, I had somebody come to me and said, well, we talk a lot about peace today, obviously. They said, they said you know, um, your sermon makes me kind of think of what's going on in Israel. And, and it's just not being, they're not being peace there uh, in any way whatsoever. And I said, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, one of my very good friends from college Actually, he and his wife served as missionaries, not just in Israel, but in Jerusalem for a number of years. And while they were serving there, they found, they found out one thing was very, very clear. They said, the only thing that will ever bring peace to that part of the world is not a thing, it's a who. And that's Jesus Christ. If you're going to bring the Jews and the Muslims together, it's not going to happen unless Jesus is involved in that. Okay? So... A lot of things, some things change in life, some things don't. Peace, as we see here in, in, in Ephesians, peace between Jews and Gentiles, peace between men and women that comes through Christ, peace between husbands and wives that comes in Christ, peace between parents and children. Parents, how many have children? How many could use a little more of that, all right? Peace between slaves and masters, and on and on and on, the peace that comes through Christ. They said peace is used a lot in the New Testament, but peacemaker, as they said, is only used once. So we're going to, to shift to a similar concept, something that is much like peacemaker in our New Testament, but it looks just a little different. But before we do that, let's look at the blessing. So turn back to Matthew 5. So know from our time in the Beatitudes up in this point, you get the people who are blessed and then you get the blessing. Okay? You get the statement of the blessing, then you get what it is. So again, look at verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, and here's the blessing, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, now something to understand. First of all, ladies, you're not left out of this, okay? I don't want you to feel left out. Um, the Greek language, just in the, in the, basically what it's about, is a very masculine language, all right? But this is speaking generally here. In other words, they shall be called the sons, the daughters of God. They shall be called the children of God. Now, that is quite a blessing to be called the children, the sons, the daughters of God. But this blessing is much bigger than a statement of relationship. In other words, blessed are the peacemakers. They are the children of God. Like, we're the children. He is the father. That is a wonderful thing. But this statement is bigger than that. This is a statement of character and responsibility. Let me describe this um, in, the, in the words of Jesus' day for just a moment. In Jesus' day, okay, if, if you were to call somebody the son of a dog, okay, you weren't saying to them that they're actually the son of a dog. That's not what you're saying. 
what you are saying is they're acting like a dog. And remember, to the Jews, that's quite the insult because the do- dogs were an unclean animal to the Jews. Okay? And, and here's one that we do actually see in Scripture. Jesus, in interacting with some of the Pharisees, he called them, you sons of the devil. John the Baptist uses similar language as well. And it did not mean that the Pharisees were actually the children of Satan, okay? What it means is, is they are acting like Satan. So what we see here, the sons of God. They shall be called the sons of God. This is what this is getting at. You need to act like God. I'm not saying pretend that we are the creator of all things. What I'm saying is, act like God in the way that he works in this world. This is what I'm getting at. What was Jesus at his very core? Jesus was man, Jesus was God. In this world, you know what Jesus came in this world to do? To bring peace. Absolutely. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker in this world. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a joiner. Someone who takes those who are separated and brings them together. Being the children of God, when it comes to being peacemakers, it's not necessarily just who we are, it's what we do. But as I said, peacemaker isn't necessarily our word of the day here, because we only get one of them in all the New Testament. So let's get into the word. This word has to do all about big exchange. Big exchange. Let's spell this out here just for a moment. Um, This week, Donna got a new car. Now, okay, this is new to us. It's a 2013 like, it's the newest of, of, of anything. It's like 10 years old, you know, but, and I'm going to be straight up with you, okay? We've never actually owned a new car, but I am so thankful for people who do buy new cars because if people didn't buy new cars, then I could never buy their cars that are used when they're done with them, okay? So I'm very, very thankful for that. But this car is kind of new to us, the newest of anything that we've got at this point in time. Uh, as I told you <laughs> last week, Don, there's one particular, because I, uh, I don't think our family are the only ones in this room that has a fleet of cars. Okay? I know that there's, there's others out there that are, that are like this. Usually, if you have a fleet of cars, you don't have new cars either, all right? Because if you don't have new cars, you need a fleet of them just so that something actually will go down the road at some point in time. You know? Okay, so you know what I'm saying here. So for just a moment, I want you to imagine taking the one of the fleet that you like the least. I told you last week, Donna, she named the one she likes least in our fleet called Ugly, all right? One-ton Chevy that I actually like. She hates it, and Ugly doesn't like her either. I told you that last week, okay? So if it were up to Donna, we would be taking Ugly. So you pick whichever car that you like least in your fleet. Imagine going to a dealership, taking Ugly, your Ugly, going to the dealer, Picking out anything on the lot that you want. Okay, you can fill in the blank with anything. If it's a Lamborghini, pick a Lamborghini, all right? I don't know how well that works on the gravel roads of southeast Kansas, but hey, it's your, it's your imagination, okay? So you show up, you go to the dealer, fill in the blank with what you want, you give them your car, and they give you fill in the blank for free. Perfect trade straight across. Don't owe a penny, all right? And get this. The dealer is more happy about it than you are. Can you imagine that? If that happened to you, do you think you'd be talking about that just a little bit? Okay, let me tell you something. We're going to turn over to 2 Corinthians now. Kept on wanting to go there earlier. 2 Corinthians now. And we're going to read about an exchange that blows that exchange out of the water. Okay. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read a pretty good chunk here, all right? We're going to begin in verse 17. We're going to read a little while here. If this is not underlined in your Bible, grab a pen and start underlining, okay? This is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled, I think we're going to see that word a little bit, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. First of all, brothers and sisters, wow. This morning at 7.30, um, I got the privilege of witnessing... um, a new sister in Christ being buried in the waters of baptism. Coming together with Jesus, her sins washed away. I got to witness the old passing away and the new coming. You talk about an incredible arrangement that we have been given. Absolutely mind-blowing. So when we first look at this passage, all I can think is, is wow, God is good. God is so good. But there's more to it than the goodness of God. Second of all, There's a word there that gets used again and again, and it's not a word we use most of the time in everyday conversation. I think even in banking, where it used to be used quite a bit, it's probably not used that much anymore. Reconcile. Reconciling. There is a very close relationship between peace, more specifically peacemakers, and reconciliation. As I told you, the core, the very core of peace is to join something together, something that was separated. At the very core of reconciliation is this exchanging. Exchanging, as we saw in Ephesians earlier, separation with God and making it fellowship with God. To replace something. To bring these two together. Our passage is very, very clear. Our first passage in Ephesians and our second passage here in 2 Corinthians. Christ is our peace. Christ is our reconciliation. It is only through Christ that we can kiss the bad, the old goodbye, and have the new. That comes through and only through Christ. Now here is the point of not only Matthew 5, but 2 Corinthians 5 as well. We are to be ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors of peace. Ambassadors of reconciliation. I'll tell you what. There are some in this room who I think do this quite well naturally in other circumstances in life. I would be willing to bet that there are some in this room who get called upon, whether it be at home or at work, to come and try to make peace. I mean, I see some supervisors laughing, some managers laughing already, okay? Because here's the deal. When you're at work 
and the job has to be done by the time you go home, and the two people who are supposed to do the job aren't getting along too much, you got to call in backup, and somebody's got to get them back on the same page, <laughs> okay? And the thing about that, the thing about it is there is a tremendous amount of satisfaction in helping settle a dispute. For one thing, managers, supervisors, business owners, the work gets done. Amen, hallelujah, okay? But there's just something nice about coming people who are at odds and bringing them back together again. But let me tell you something. This is a huge deal. And the satisfaction is almost beyond anything else when it comes to settling a dispute between somebody and God. When they are here and God is there and there's a wide gulf in between. And the only one who can heal that gulf is Jesus. And it's our responsibility to bring Jesus into the situation. Peacemakers. Let me ask you this, though. There's a lot of satisfaction when we see this through and it happens. But what about this? What about the times bringing peace into a conflict means taking it on the chin yourself? Because sometimes we're not the one coming in, too, and being a mediator. We're one of the ones at odds. (laughs) Ever been there before? All right, let's turn back to Matthew. We'll go back to Matthew 5, but we're not going to go back to Matthew 5, 9. We're going to fast forward a little bit into some of the meat of this message of Jesus. I told you, the Sermon on the Mount, we have spoken this many, many times. This is the sermon that turned the world upside down. Okay? This is what Jesus had to say about peace in this world. All right, Matthew 5, verse 38 and 39. Here's what it says. You have heard that it is said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, slap them on the right cheek, right? No. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. You know, a big part of peacekeeping when it comes to relationships here in this life. And keep in mind, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the first four of the Beatitudes are about our relationship with God. We call that the vertical part of the, of the relating in the, in the Beatitudes. It's about how God relates to us, how we relate back to him. The last four are about relating with people and how that relationship with God changes our relationships with people. Well, we're right in the middle of this, of the people relationships, Okay. And a big part of peacekeeping when it comes to relationships here in this life is biting the tongue. Okay, as much as we don't like biting our tongues with that really, really good piece of pizza, because you've been waiting on it for a while, and and you get so excited about it, you know what happens. You bite your tongue, and then you bite it ten more times in the exact same spot, and before your tongue is so big, you can't even talk anymore, and it just ruins the whole experience. All right, it stinks. It really, really does, but that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, talking about another biting of the tongue that can even be more difficult when we want to retaliate so bad. And yet we do not. You see, in those moments, peace costs us something too. Something in the next beatitude reminds us of a part of this life all too well. Oh, I'm not going to talk much about it because that's next week. 
We're looking at Matthew 5, 9 today, but Matthew 5, 10 through 12 makes, makes something pretty, really pretty clear. Being with Jesus will at times make it impossible to be at peace with the world. Okay, I'm going I'm to repeat that. Being with Jesus will at times make it impossible to be at peace with the world. The thing about Jesus, this is the, the ironic thing about Jesus. He's the greatest peacemaker to ever come into this world. And yet there is no name that will divide a family, a room, or a nation quicker than the name Jesus. Regardless, as his messengers, his representation, his ambassadors in this world, we must work for peace. This does not mean compromising our stand for truth and our stand for Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is it does mean keeping a cool head when it is not easy to do so. It does mean not retaliating when wronged when it would be so easy to do so. And it means, even in the words of Jesus, to put our enemies ahead of ourselves. My goodness, that's right out of the Sermon on the Mount again. You begin to see why the Sermon on the Mount is so easy to understand and so difficult to put into practice. You know what Jesus had to say about loving people who love you back? I mean, seriously, how hard is it to love somebody who loves you back? This is, this is what Jesus said about, you can find this as well right here in the Sermon on the Mount as well. He says this, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? But when you love those who don't love you back, you know whose courageous attitude you're following? That of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, being a peacemaker is no easy task. And do not forget what we're talking about when it comes to peacemaker. The joiners of life. Those who bring people back together. More specifically, those who bring people back to God through Jesus Christ. Being a peacemaker is no easy task. It never has been. It probably will not be until Jesus returns one day. And let's spell this out one more time. We started here today. Well, not started. We we were close to the beginning, but this is where we're going to finish. Turn back to Ephesians 5 one more time. Ephesians 2. I'm sorry. I got five in my brain. Ephesians 2. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near, for he himself is our peace. I missed something in there, right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
for he himself is our peace. What did it cost Jesus to bring peace into this world? It cost him his blood. What did it cost Jesus to bring people back to God the Father? It cost him his blood. 